Amen. Well, please do have your Bibles open at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be focusing in on verses 13 to 16. Verses 13 to 16. Let me read them once more to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, it was the last written exam at the police training college. The last exam for the recruits at the police training college. And there was one question. This was the question. You have been called to the scene of a break-in at a notorious housing estate. As you arrive, you notice several people running out of the house opposite. Smoke is billowing from that house out of the windows. And a woman shouts to say that her baby is upstairs in a bedroom. Then you notice Mickey Jones, a notorious drug dealer, running away from the break-in. But just as you notice that, you hear two cars crash. And the people come out of the cars and start fighting. And then you look to the original house and you see a man staggering out with a large head wound, blood everywhere. What would you do next? What would you do next? This is made up, by the way. <laughs> One of the answers on the papers was this. I would quickly, but carefully, take off my police helmet and take off my police jacket, throw away my radio and blend in with everybody else in the drama. You know, Christianity, being a Bible-believing Christian today, can seem very strange, even offensive, to the man in the street. We are now sometimes called the bad guys, with the offensive bad message. What we call a message of hope and liberation is called anything but. Something to be uh, stopped and those promoting it to be arrested. And so perhaps we, I know I do, feel rather like the answerer to that question. Can't we just blend in? Do we have to stand out when that question gets asked? In the office, what did you do yesterday? Uh, when the bucket goes around 
for uh, money for gay pride do you put your money in? Or whatever it is. Can't we just blend in for an easier life? Do we really have to be different? Do we have to be ready to stand up and be counted? Well, as I said, Matthew 5 to 7 records Jesus' sermon on the mount. The manifesto of what it is to be in the kingdom. Who was he preaching it to? Well, at the end of the sermon, we're told that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. But at the start, did you notice, we were told that his disciples came to him. His followers, those who were already, we would use today, the term Christians. This isn't a sermon about how to become a Christian. This is a sermon about what it is to be a Christian. We need to be clear on that. This isn't do this and then God blesses you. Salvation is by grace, by trusting the finished work of Jesus. But what does that look like? Well, this is what this sermon says. So if you here identify as a Christian, this is your marching order. This is the manifesto for you, how you should live. I want you to see three headlines from these verses and then three important, I believe, important caveats. You know, when you see the, the big poster and then there's the small print underneath, the caveat you have to note. So three headlines and then three caveats. That's where we're going. The first is this. Be pure. Be pure. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now you all know that seawater is salty. You probably all know that the Dead Sea is uber salty. Twenty times, sorry, ten times more salty than the uh, usual ocean. And around the Dead Sea, you will find a white residue of that salt. And back in Jesus' day, it would have been common for people to take that salt from around the edge of the sea, skim off the waste, and then leave it to evaporate the water, and then what was left behind would be the pure salt that would be useful. But all the, the crud had to be removed out of it so that the pure salt was left. And Jesus is saying that in his kingdom, his people are... The salt. After all, what did Jesus mean when he gave those beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, pure. Blessed are those who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are merciful, pure in heart. Those who are Peacemaker, do you see, these are all the characteristics of pure people. And they will be blessed. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are in, they are included. Even those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, who don't blend in, but stand up even when it's painful. Even when they are spoken badly, evil against, falsely for the sake of Jesus. So the first headline is, be pure. 
A worldly, carnal Christian is a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Why the illustration of salt? Well, because salt preserves and salt slows down the rot. A world without genuine Christians would be far worse than it is now. Maybe you can test that hypothesis by thinking of parts of the world where there are hardly any Christians and never have been, that have been not really touched by the gospel. How much freedom is there? How much dignity, respect, particularly for the vulnerable? Is there equality? Is there peace? Is there gentleness? Is there protection? Is there justice? We can test that hypothesis by looking around the world and saying, well, where has the gospel had an impact? Where have Christians started to influence as salt the wider community? And if you're not convinced, I can give you many books that have written showing the difference. Belvedere would be a worse place if you weren't here. Now, please don't big up and get... But that's the truth, isn't it? God has put his people, left them in his world, because he doesn't say you should be the salt. Do you notice I tried to emphasise that in my reading? Because Jesus doesn't say you need to be the salt, does he? He says you are. It's a declaration. You are the salt. If you all leave, what's left will get worse. Praise God. For you here at Free Grace Belvedere, that your life and witness, although you probably can't see it, because our heads swell when we do, <coughs> your life and witness is needed to preserve. The Christians in this nation are needed to preserve and to stand up. You are the salt of the earth. Be pure, that's the first thing. But secondly, do good. <coughs> Be pure and do good. You are the salt of sorry, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's a very easy illustration, isn't it? We don't need to think about oceans and dead seas, we understand lights. And lights being visible. But maybe you're thinking, well, hang on a minute. Jesus is saying that you are the light of the world, but haven't I read somewhere that Jesus says, I am the light of the world? Which is it? Jesus or us? Well, we are his body. And when Jesus was on earth, on earth clearly he was visibly the light of the world. But he's not here now. He's ascended to his father. But who has he left? His body connected. And we are the light of the world as he works through us by his spirit <coughs> remaining to shine out good works. Jesus says that we are the light of the world. But then something else you may have noticed as you read this or you heard me read it is that Jesus is saying that you must be noticed. But doesn't he even in this sermon say 
Matthew 6 verse 1, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. So, do you want me to be visible or not? Which is it? Do you see? Well, we need to uh, unpick this a bit more. The answer to that is that it always depends on our motive. Here, Jesus says, be visible. Let your light shine before men, that they may do what? See your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But later in verse 6, sorry, in 6 verse 1, same sermon, he says, do not do things to get noticed for yourself. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So yes, be visible in what you do, provided your motive is that they see your good works and glorify God, not see your good works and glorify you. So why did you post that on Facebook? Was that because you really wanted the truth of the gospel? Or were you wanting your tribe to give you lots of likes? Why did you tweet that? Why did you tell others what you did last week? We have to examine our hearts. And I know often my heart is divided. I'm actually wanting some likes and some praise. Oh, forgive me, Lord. It's not for me. It's not for me. Maybe you're in better nick, but I know I have a battle in my heart not to attract praise to me. Do good. But the third point then is for the world. Do good. Be pure for the world. You know, there is a narrative that goes something like this. You know, the world is wicked and a devilish place. It's got worse during my lifetime. But praise God, we're all saved from it. So what we need to do is huddle together, keep well away from the world, and wait for Jesus to come. Do you know that? Have you heard that narrative? We're the saved ones. We're the chosen. Keep away from the world. But that is an anti-gospel narrative. That is contrary to what Jesus is saying in his sermon manifesto. Look again, verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of heaven. No, he doesn't. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the new world. No, he doesn't. He says, you are the light of this world. You are here to be effective here. Because salt assumes an otherwise rotting earth and light assumes an otherwise dark world. So that's one of the reasons why Jesus doesn't save you and then whisk you up into heaven Straight away, I used to wonder, that. Well, why, why, Lord, it's hard. When I was 19, I thought, Lord, just take me. No. Why? Because I've got work to do, and I've also got a witness to work through. We proclaim the gospel, but we live out the fruit of the gospel as a compelling reason to draw people, those particularly hardened people, that's what we're to do. We're to be pure, do good for 
the world. And so there's a great privilege you have this week. You're here for the people around you so that you might, by your living, be attractive to the gospel. So you are salt and light for the proud in spirit. So that hopefully through your witness, the kingdom of heaven may be theirs too. You are salt and light for those who scoff at the idea of guilt and shame. So that through your witness, they may finally be comforted by the gospel. You are salt and light for the proud who arrogantly deny that God exists. In the hope that your witness might bring them to graciously also inherit the earth with you. Do you see? You are salt and light for those who hunger and thirst for unrighteousness. And there are many of those. They want more. And yet you are here as salt and light in the hope that through your witness, they actually may, by God's grace, be filled with the perfect righteousness of Christ. You are the salt and light for those who will show you no mercy. Oh no, they'll show you no mercy. They'll no platform you. In the hope that the Lord will have mercy on them. You are salt and light for those in Belvedere who delight in their depravity in the hope that your witness will mean that some will see God in his purity. You are salt and light for those who stir up opposition in the hope that through your living they may even be drawn in. And even for those who persecute you and spread lies, you are here so that through your response God's grace may come to them and they will also have the undeserved gracious reward of heaven. Be pure. Do good for the world. Yes, we do things for the glory of God. Yes. But that's not Jesus' point here. He's not denying that. Do all for the glory of God. Yes, we do good works to build one another up. But here he's driving the point that you do these things for the good of those who have yet to hear the gospel. How else will they hear? Unless you live in such a way that they are quietly but surely surprised. And you might then win an opportunity to speak of Jesus. And he may have mercy on them as he has on you. What a wonderful privilege you have. What a wonderful privilege to be an embassy of Jesus here in Belvedere. You know you're an embassy? You're an embassy of heaven in a world of darkness. And people, maybe they don't even know you're here, but you're going to scatter and you're going to live this week light and salt in a decaying city so that through your witness some might hear the gospel and join you in praising God. It's amazing, isn't it? They're exciting. That's a mission worth putting our minds to. So they're the three headlines that Jesus is driving at. Be pure. Do good for the unbelievers, for the world around you. But there are three caveats I want to also show you. Firstly, It's not only me. It's 
not only me personal. Again, there's an idea out that the Christian life is an individual pursuit and you just do it on your own. That's not biblical. Christian life is a corporate life. It's a gathered life. Why church matters. Now, I'm pretty certain there's no one here from Texas. But you may know that the Texans have an additional word in their their, um, uh, uh, vocabulary. As well as having the word you, they have the word yarl. You heard that? Yarl. You know what yarl means? It means you plural. It means you all. Yeah? That's what Texan yarl means. Yeah? Good to see yarl. That means you to see you all. Well, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have made a real hash of it. But if I'd have been reading this, bringing out the distinction in the Greek, I would have been saying, you... All, y'all, are the salt of the earth. You all are the light of the world. Because Jesus doesn't say, you, singular, are the salts. It's, you, plural, are the salt. And he doesn't say, you, singular, are lights, plural. But you, plural, are light. It is the gathered witness that is particularly being emphasised here by Jesus. Yes, you are individual lights when you scatter, but when you are together living as a people, loving one another, serving one another, that is a powerful testimony to a world that doesn't see that. When you are pure between one another, you honour marriage relationships, you honour and respect each other, that is you being pure in a world that doesn't know that. When you do good to one another and to others. When you have got that uh, collective, corporate salt and light. Then your witness is magnified. Jesus is not just saying, you individually... Sorry, I'll point to the fictional guy there. You individually, matey. You've got to be pure and salt. No, he said to all of you. You as Belvedere Church. You work that out. Yes, individually you will, but work that out together. What's it going to look like for us to be pure? What's it going to look like for us in Belvedere to do good? Do you see? It's you all, it's y'all, not merely you individually. And that's a great encouragement because maybe some of you think, oh, I don't quite know how to do this. You've got brothers and sisters to help you. Maybe some of you are feeling a bit overwhelmed and you're lagging. Others are brighter and up for it. You can do this together as a church body. So it's not only me, it's you together, but it's also not only one of the two. We need to be very careful not to choose whether we will be a pure church or a good works church. What are we going to be? Is that how we do it? No. Because here we are seeing that both are described. Jesus doesn't say you can be pure, salt of the earth, or you can be good works. He doesn't say that. He says you are both at the same time. Some churches in the past and today are characterised by pursuing holiness so intensely that they think they need to isolate themselves from the world. 
don't know if you heard it, it was, I think it was uh, developed in the 60s. There was a, I think it came from the States. This little ditty that was used. We don't drink or smoke or chew, and we don't mix with those who do. I don't know if you heard that. This idea that external morality is the thing that really marks you off. But so, so often that led to deadness and a works righteousness. But there are churches in the past and today who want to pursue good works at such uh, an intensity that they will compromise and work with just about anybody else. The bar is too high, in a sense, for some and too low for others. I've experienced both in my lifetime. I grew up amongst a very, very uh, external purity, keep away from everybody church. And then I used to work for a Glasgow City mission that pragmatically partnered with anyone who would get funding. But you, Belvedere, you are to be pure and doing good. You don't have an option. You can't choose. So you need to think, which are we in more danger of ignoring? Which are we finding harder to pursue? Again, that's a blessing of being a church because you'll find that together you can find that balance. So see this as a corporate mission. It's not you singular, it's you plural. And see this as a mission both to be pure and to do good. It's not either or. But thirdly, the caveat, it's not just about programs, not just about things that you can put on. Often this, particularly for good works, can be rather overwhelming. What do I mean? Well, often uh, I've been asked back at Highbury, can't we set something up? A food bank, some social action project. And they take a lot of time, and a lot of manpower. And you need to be careful not to bite off more than you can chew. But Jesus isn't saying set up a campaign and a ministry. He's saying just get on being pure and doing good amongst the people that you already know. Organically. Maybe you will get some structure and run things. But that's not needed. It's not about programs. It's about living your uh, Mondays through to uh, uh, Saturdays just as you would together on your Sundays. Maybe you're doing that. I'm glad to hear that you probably are. Just getting on, loving your neighbours. When someone's sick, get a meal train sorted. Get food over to them. Maybe when one of your neighbours is sick, you get help from others. What a great way. I can't do a meal for you every day, but I've got friends who will as well. Organically doing good, showing love to the non-Christians you already know. We were thinking earlier, evangelism is hard. How do you make that entry point? Just think of the people you already know and love them. Love your neighbour. I want to encourage you, think creatively about your neighbours, people that you might work with. What can you do? And maybe together, with some help from others, you can show some uh, love and kindness. A lady in our church, she's great at making friends, but she doesn't like catering, so she brings them over to us. My, love, my wife loves catering. There's a partnership. And I get more food, I have to run a bit more. <laughs> 
you see, don't be overwhelmed by thinking, oh, what are we going to put on? What do we have to run? It's not about that. It's about you individually looking at opportunities so that you can love your neighbours, do them good, and show them righteous living. When they come into your home to collect the food and they see how you live, when they have a meal with you and they realise how you structure life, little things will be noticed. Won't be spoken about. And then sometimes afterwards they might say, well, why do you do that? Oh, do you? Oh, right. And you've got an opportunity graciously to speak of Jesus. You know, our world is a very tough place, isn't it? There's a lot of hate in our world. And if we love people, that's a great opportunity for the gospel. There's a lot of misogyny in our world. There's a lot of racism in our world. There's a lot of class pride in our world. You can go on through all the litany of ills. But you have been redeemed. You can show that you're not like that. You love across barriers. You love across ages. You can show the power of the gospel simply by living out your daily lives such that your neighbours see that you are pure and do good. Galatians 6.10, we're called, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So can I encourage you this week? What will you do? Maybe you'll carry on doing. What will you start doing? Doesn't have to be a big thing. It might just be knocking on a neighbour's door, speaking to somebody, finding a way of letting your light shine as a church, of showing something of the purity of the way that you live because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. So what have we seen? It's a church work, y'all. It's not either or, but both. And it's not about big programmes, but every day living for the purpose of blessing your neighbours. So how are you going to endure in this? How are you going to keep going? Well, I want you just to read, hear me as I read these words about the future. This is the future that is coming to you. We don't know when. But we're told that John saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and help and faithful. Now that is your hope. That is the culmination. That is the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That is what he is saying we are going to arrive at. That is the kingdom of heaven realised. Love. All those things that we yearn for. Justice, peace, truth. No crying, no division, no sorrow. And your part is to bring a little bit more of that a little bit closer to the people of Belvedere. You're like the trailer for the film. You're like a little little snapshot of heaven. That's what, that's what you're to be. 
But an embassy, you know, when you go, an embassy brings a bit of the foreign country to the land, doesn't it? Well, you're to bring a little bit of that to Belvedere. And so the people there see something of what you're all going to. And if they would only but turn from their sins and bow down in repentance before the Lord Jesus Christ, he would welcome them in to come as well. That's the message that we won't hear on our tellies that our politicians won't uh, mention. But that's the message Belvedere needs. And it's the message that you and I have by God's grace. So can I encourage you? Together, be pure, do good, for Belvedere, for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace to us. Because at core, we are just like the folks who live around us. We cannot claim any superiority. We have been saved by your grace and your grace alone. But Lord, forgive us. Often we harbour proud thoughts and we forget that it is all of you. And so Lord, we pray you'd help us to live in such a way here in Belvedere that we might show the people around us the beauty and the goodness of of Jesus and his kingdom and the wonderful blessings that he has promised. Lord, we pray that we might show them in our purity and in our good works, that we might show them a compelling reason. We know that you must work. We know that you must open blind eyes and you must soften hard hearts. But Lord, you call us to be your witnesses, to be that salt and light in this dark world. Oh, Father, help us. We pray that you would bless our endeavours, you'd strengthen our hands, and that you would receive more glory as people see our good works and glorify you. They get converted, they get baptised, and they join our church. Lord, we do this for your honour and your renown. And we ask it in Jesus' name.